Now, how many know that we've done a few messages on triumph? I, I don't know if uh, the one I saw posted, uh, the last one by Tyler, so maybe Tyler can help me out here. But the last one I saw was part 41. Which means it's the longest series I've ever preached in this church. By eight parts. But I'm, I'm since then and feel really impressed for the sessions that I have with you the remainder of this year. Um, to talk to you about supernatural increase. And the reason is, if you're not careful, you're going down a path mentally where you're thinking that the last thing that can happen in this kind of a year is for God to supernaturally increase me. Well, I'm going to tell you, God can supernaturally increase you in any year. In fact, a lot of his people historically, even during the Great Depression, were supernaturally increased. So circumstances have nothing to do with that. The, the, the foundational problem with the issue of believing God in any area of life, in any area of redemption, is that many people in the body of Christ have a limited and partial understanding about what redemption has done for them. So I want to first start over in Galatians 3. Just go there with me and confess it right now. There's a spirit of increase on my life. Come on, say it like you believe. There's a spirit of increase on my life. Now we know according to Genesis 3, the curse came in as a result of sin. And if you don't have this down, let me just tell you that the curse had three consequences. Shout it out, three consequences. And lots of things that fall underneath those categories. First of all, there was a spiritual con you know, consequence. We were separated from God because of curse, because of sin, and because of the curse. Number two, we were, there was a physical consequence or cost to the curse. People were going to now die. There was no death until that uh, sin was committed. There was no separation from God. But there also wasn't any disease, and human beings wouldn't have died except by sin. So I want you to understand that being separated from God is the primary consequence of sin and the curse. But secondarily, it's physical. There is a reason there is sickness and disease. There's a reason there is short life. There's a reason that there is stillbirth. There's a reason for all of these things. And it has nothing to do with the will of God because God never willed the curse in this earth. But there's a consequence spiritually. Say it with me, spiritually. There's a consequence physically. Say physically. And there's a consequence financially or materially. Now, in the Christian mind, the Western mind, we hadn't been taught this from the point where we were in, remember when you're in kindergarten class and they have those old felt boards, you know, and that was your Sunday school lesson. We were not taught this classic redemption understanding. But if you were to grow up in a Jewish home, you knew that you could not separate spiritual from physical from financial well-being. You could not separate that in that mindset. But in the Western mindset, many Christians, all they've been taught is the spiritual consequence of the curse. Now, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is if you've not been taught thoroughly about the consequences of the curse, you can't enjoy the benefits of your redemption. Now, Scripture says in Galatians 3.14, He has redeemed us, what, from the curse... 
in order that the blessing given to Abraham, verse 14, might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. In other words, there's a curse out there with a consequence that is spiritual, a consequence that is physical, a consequence, you know, that is financial or material. But because of what Jesus did, there is a redemption from all three of those consequences. There's a consequence of spiritual separation, but through the blood of Jesus, you and I are brought nigh. Aren't you glad for that? A new and living way has been opened up for you and for me. And now there is no longer a wall of separation. Jesus himself is our peace. Aren't you glad you're saved today? But what you've got to understand is that's not where redemption ends. For the consequence of physical affliction or sickness and death, there is, of course, redemption of not only you know, this body to be sustained in this life, but there's a new body to come. There's a resurrection coming. I said there's a resurrection coming. And all those that died before you in Christ, absent from the body, present with the Lord, but one day they'll have a body like he has. The consequence is severe, but how many understand the redemption is wonderful? And while you're on earth right now, God through that redemption applies his power to your life so that when you're sick, you can be healed. When you are healthy, you can be sustained. And when you're healthy and sustained, you can be a source of that power to other people. Divine healing, divine health, and divine life. Say it with me, divine healing, divine health, and divine life. You and I that have been walking around in health most of our lives, that's not an accident. That is actually the hand of God who upholds all things by his powerful word. And it's no surprise that if we do get ill or sick, he is still the healer that's in the house. Do you believe that today? But he is also able to use you as a conduit of that power. So when the lady with the issue of blood touched Jesus' power came out of him, you're going to be shocked to find out that when people lay their hand on your shoulder, power is going to come out of you as well. Because it's not enough to be healed, it's not enough to walk in health, it's also about letting other people receive that power. Redemption is spiritual that we're now draw draw near to the Lord, and if we're not close to Him, it's not His fault. Do you agree with that? He said, draw near to me and I'll do what? I'll draw near to you. The consequence that is physical, we're redeemed from that. But then there's a third area that many Christians have no revelation on, that he has not only dealt with the consequence of sin in terms of the spiritual impact and the consequence of physical issues, he's also dealt with the issue that's a result of the curse, which is a thing called poverty or lack or insufficiency. In other words, the redemption of God includes God being your provider, God taking care of you, and God increasing you. This same God that fed up to 40, 50,000 with a couple of loaves and a few fishes is the same God that is the Lord over your life. This same God that caused a boat breaking, you know, boat sinking, net breaking catch of fish is the same Lord that you confess. This same God that provided in the wilderness for the people of, of, of Israel the, the water through the rock and the, the manna from heaven, that's the same God that you serve. So it shouldn't surprise us, history tells us, that he has always been a God who provides and sustains his people. I want you to see that 
There is a consequence to us spiritually, a consequence to us physically, and a consequence to us financially. But the redemption means the spiritual consequence has been resolved. The physical consequence has been resolved. And the financial consequence has been resolved. But not if you don't understand or receive or have faith in that area. There's a reason why you and I have great confidence in the spiritual resolution. We've been taught much about that. Across the board, evangelical Christianity will teach you about the new birth, will teach you how to get saved, but they also need to tell you about the remainder of our redemption. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied with a partial or limited redemption. He didn't die for one of three. He didn't die for two of three. He died for all three areas. Come on, say it. I am redeemed spiritually, physically, and materially. And there is no reason for you to feel ashamed for asking God to address any of those areas in your life. And if you do, it's a matter of revelation and understanding. It was God's idea that he would redeem us, and this is what his redemption Involves. Now, let me talk about that phrase a moment, supernatural, uh, you know, increase. Supernatural means above and beyond. So what we're talking about is, you know, the ability of you through God to go above and beyond what you could do through the natural realm. What would be your natural realm? Well, if you're retired, natural realm would be your Social Security check. Or your pension. If you're working right now, the natural would be your job. I can tell you this, it is God's will for you to work, and if you won't work, you don't eat. That's scriptural. And if you're a man, you don't take care of your household, what is it? You're worse than an infidel, which means unbeliever. You demonstrate your unbelief by not doing what God has called you to do. Plain and simple. But you're not limited by what you can get from your Social Security check or pension or from your job. I want to remind you that the lady that made a cake first for the prophet and said, we're going to die anyway, so she goes ahead and makes the cake. That provision did not come from her job. It didn't come from a retirement account. It came from a God who was able to do supernatural increase. The little boy with the fish and the loaves and Timothy preached a wonderful message about it actually being a couple of crackers and minnows. Not that that matters when you're feeding 40,000, 50,000 people, but you get the idea. This was a snack for a little boy, and that, you know, that supply did not come from what was in his bag. Supernatural increase. Come on, say supernatural increase on my house in Jesus' name. Well, Pastor, don't you know that we're in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, and it's taking God by surprise too, don't you know? Oh, we can't make those promises in the Bible because in 2020, there's going to be a worldwide pandemic. I'm glad the word of God predates the pandemic. I'm glad the promises of God predate the pandemic. I'm glad we sing that song about the promises of God because we need to be reminded that they are spiritual, physical, and they're financial. And don't you let anybody shame you or talk you out of what God has promised in his word. You should enjoy every aspect of that, including supernatural, above and beyond what you can do in the natural. Turn to somebody and say, that's my God. Come on, tell somebody else, that's my God. 
He's able to do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask, think, or imagine, according to his power that's what? Already at work in us. Carnal Christians and religious people will tell you it's not spiritual. It's not right for you to believe for these areas of your life to be increased. That's because they don't understand redemption. A high price was paid so you could be forgiven. A high price was paid so you could be healed and share that hope with other people. I can't wait to hear all the testimonies that we're going to have of people who went through tough times and God restore them. Amen? Amen. For those that didn't in our nation that love God, we know where they're at. Can I tell you something? They're not having to live in this craziness right now. Don't feel sorry for them. Because you're going to have testimonies of how God moved in this situation. God is not going to diminish his glory over COVID-19. God will be glorified in and through and after this situation. And you will hear about how he moved and how he provided and how he supplied. You say, you're going to talk about supernatural increase when people are on unemployment, people have lost jobs, there are cutbacks. Let me tell you something. Faith doesn't come by talking what is. Faith comes by speaking the word of God. We can't believe unless the word is preached. So as I pivot from triumph into supernatural increase, attend every session you can and find out what the factors are that will position you to have the spirit of increase on your house. I believe in God for more and more in every category. Amen. Increase spiritually and increase physically. Hallelujah. Some of you, when God gets done with you, you're going to be glowing like a light bulb. And it's not going to be because you're bald and a light is shining off your head. You're going to glow for the things of God. Some of you are going to find out how God can provide and increase you. And you're going to say these words. I have no idea where it came from. And I have no idea where those sales came from. I have no idea how God could possibly do it, but he did it. We're not supposed to have to figure out where all the fishes and the loaves came from. It's not our job to figure out where all the oil and the meal came from. We don't have to figure that out. All we have to do is just take him at his word. His word that says, for example, that Isaac sowed in a famine. Isaac sowed in the middle of COVID-19. In the same year, reaped a hundredfold. There's nothing growing in the day he sowed in that famine. And yet God, I said, and yet God, and yet God provided and blessed him a hundredfold. How can God take a man like Joseph and watch all that stuff happen to him and somehow the spirit of increase work on his life? Wherever he went, those around him benefited from that spirit of increase. You couldn't keep him down in Potiphar's house. You couldn't keep him down in prison. You couldn't keep him down when he got out. He had the anointing of increase on him. And can I tell you something? In Christ, so do you. But not if you sit back and say, well, I'm saving going to heaven. That satisfies me. You shouldn't be satisfied with anything less than God's best. If you are dealing with physical issues today, you believe God for the full redemption. Amen. If you're struggling financially, you believe God for the full redemption manifested in your life. And believe in this God of supernatural increase. Say it with me. Supernatural increase. 2020 is not a year that you would normally think about increasing in. 
I believe our God has a sense of humor. He's like, oh yeah? We'll just watch. Prophet at the Samaritan uh, famine, moved by God, you know, talked about the prices dropping and the supply of food and the attendant of the king scoffed and laughed. Look at somebody and say, don't be a scoffer. Don't be a laugher. All they had known was starvation and hunger and destruction. And here comes the prophet to say, you know, by this time tomorrow, this is what God's going to do to the economy. This is what God is going to do to the food supply chain. And you know what? You laughed at it. You'll see it, but you'll not get to partake of it. And you know, that man was trampled without putting any of that food to his lips. Now, the Bible says, believe God's prophets and you will what? You will succeed. The supreme prophet you should be believing is the prophet, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the word. Amen. Amen. Say it with me. I believe. I believe even in COVID-19. I believe even with a downturned economy. Say it. I believe. See, you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. It's not based on what every other Christian does. So you seize an understanding of classic redemption and you say, you know what? I can go to God and be forgiven. I can go to God and be healed. I can go to God and be supernaturally increased. Amen. Say it one more time. The spirit of increase is on my house. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go with me over to Psalm 115. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Psalm 115. When you're there, say, I'm there. Verse 9. O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. So if I'll fear him, he's going to be what? My help and my shield. And to fear him doesn't mean that I'm frightened of him. It means that I honor him and respect him enough to do what he says. You could say it like this. All those that will honor God enough to obey his word, he is your help and your shield. So it does matter that we put ourselves in position for him to do great things in our lives. Now, read on with me. The Lord remembers us. That's a word for somebody today. Just feel like God has forgotten all about me. No, he hadn't. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what's going on. And all you need to do is put the word in your heart and your mouth, keep it going in your eyes and your ears and trust him. He is your help. He is your shield. I'm telling you prophetically, you're coming out of this. You're coming out of this situation. Amen. Glory to God. The Lord remembers us and will bless us. He'll bless the house of Israel. Well, that's fine for Israel. He'll bless the house of Aaron. Well, that's fine for Aaron. He'll bless those who fear the Lord. So spiritually, you're part of that household. Genetically, physically, biologically, you may not be. Until you trace yourself all the way back into the garden, which is perfectly fine. 
But what allows me to tap into that increased covenant? What allows me to tap into the provision of that covenant? Honoring God enough to do what he says. And it starts with personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it all begins. Are you here today? He will bless those who fear the Lord, small and great alike. May the Lord make you increase, both you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God is into increase. In Genesis chapter 1, the very first words that man ever heard were words of the blessing and words that describe the blessing such as increase, subdue the earth, fill it. We're supposed to be increasing. Increasing in revelation, increasing in power, increasing in resources, increasing in every area that he died for us to have deliverance from. Now, watch this. There's one reason I'm very vehement against abortion because abortion is a contradiction of Genesis 1.28. No man or woman has the right to suppress the expansion of the population of this nation. And many of these people that are pushing these vaccines and pushing these things around the country and pushing us funding most of the abortions around the country, which the average Republican president automatically removes and a Democrat automatically puts back on the table. Did you know that under many administrations you were paying for little babies around the world to be killed? Now, I could quote about how Paul felt God had possessed him in terms of his reigns, in terms of his future, how God knew Jeremiah in the womb. But I'm telling you that abortion is a violation of Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. From the very beginning, God helped any man or woman who would try to suppress God's will for increase on this planet. And that's exactly what's going on. If an individual person, man or woman, makes that decision... Or if an institution makes that decision, or a party makes that decision, or a doctor makes that decision, you do not have the authority to diminish the population of this earth. God's will is increase. Well, we're getting overpopulated. You don't have a clue what you're talking about. This earth is far from overpopulated. Far from being ripped of all of its resources. These are all narratives that are not correct. But the average American doesn't take time to actually research stuff. Well, I heard on the Commie News Network, it must be true, Pastor. No. Well, all these babies being born, what about them? You know, they might be hungry and they might need shoes and, and they, they might be, you know, abused or neglected. Let me tell you something. Abortion is the highest form of abuse. So let me get this straight. To keep them from abuse, you want to execute them. Don't even get me started here, church. What kind of sense is that? Well, I killed the baby, but I kept him from being abused. I have institutions for people like you. Don't get mad at me. I didn't write Genesis. But he said, increase, subdue, have dominion over the earth. Anything that would try to negate that in the destruction of a fertilized egg, anything 
is going against God's direct and sustained command in this land. Amen. Thank you for your enthusiasm over this revelation. Like everything else, the Bible will inform what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Now, you've been down that path. Either you're a man that encouraged someone to have an abortion or you're a woman who had the abortion. You know what? There's restoration and forgiveness in God. But oftentimes people who have had abortions become rabidly supportive of it to justify what they've done. I would rather you go to God and lay at his feet and say, God, this was a mistake, this was wrong, and I entrust myself to you. Can I tell you something? There's a heaven filled with these beautiful children. When you're God, it's not quite over just because somebody decided to upend his command in Genesis 1. Aren't you glad for that? What a reunion that's going to be. I said, what a reunion that's going to be. But it won't happen if people who have gone down that path don't repent and ask Jesus to be the Lord of their life. I'm trying to explain to you that he's the God of increase in every category. When Joshua was told to go in and possess the land, God interrupted the funeral basically for, for Moses and said, Moses is dead, now listen to me. I need you to get the people ready, you're going to go in. And he told him, every place where your foot trods, guess what? Yours. You're going to go in and increase. Come on, confess it. I am increasing just like Joshua. Say it, I refuse to decrease. Listen, church, everything around our nation right now is decreasing. But you're called to what? To increase. It's always God's mindset. It's important to see that what he promised Joshua and spoke to Joshua is still relative today. Hallelujah. Say it one more time. The spirit of increase is on my life. Go over to Deuteronomy 7 for a moment. Deuteronomy chapter 7. When you're there, say, I'm there. Verse 11, therefore take care to follow the commands, decrees, and laws I have given you. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his, hallelujah, covenant with love for you as he swore to your forefathers. Say it with me, it's a covenant of increase. He will love you. And bless you and increase you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How does God feel about me? He loves you. And he wants to bless you. And he wants to increase you. In other words, if you do what he says, he's going to love you and he's going to what? He's going to bless you and increase you. He's not interested in destroying you. Well, God's going to get you for that. Nope, too late. Jesus already died and was raised from the dead. Hallelujah. Do you see in the heart and the mind of God what he wants for you? He wants you loved, he wants you blessed, and he wants you increased. Let me say it again. God's will for you is that you be loved, that you would be blessed, that you would be increased. I tell you what, this is exploding in my spirit. I don't know if I'm doing you any good, but I'm doing myself a world of good, hallelujah. The spirit of increase is on me. It's on my house, hallelujah. 
It's on you. It's on your house. It's the will of God. Go with me over to Proverbs 14. And as we dive into this, make sure that... Well, I'll tell you what. First, go with me over to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Now this doesn't mean that you can't discern God's thoughts. It just means that the natural man's thoughts are automatically going to be Contrary to God's thoughts. That's why we're told in Romans that we need to renew what? We need to renew our minds. We need to make sure that, uh, you know, if we come up across something that contradicts God's word and revelation, that we change. He's not going to change, church. Let me try that one more time. He's not going to change. He's not in a changing mood. He's the Lord our God and he does not change. Well, watch this. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Shout that word ways out three times. God has ways. God has ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Uh, what does this tell us? It tells us that when it comes to the spirit of increase, there are certain ways that we need to function. There are certain factors that affect this. Now what you want to do is make sure that you know, your mind is there to receive what God says. And if correction is necessary, then you let the Lord speak to you and renew your mind in that area. How many can raise your hand and remember when you got right with God, you got born again? Was that a wonderful time? Now, before that, you may have been a total heathen or you may have been in some false religion. But at some point in time, it dawned on you that whatever you were trusted in for salvation was wrong. Or if you thought good works would get you into heaven, I'm a pretty good person, so God will let me in. At some point in time, you threw those thoughts down, and you picked up on the higher thoughts of God that said there's one way. There's one way. There's one way. There is one name given among men by which we must be saved. He is the way. He's the truth. And he's the life. Now, there's no way for me to get to heaven and get to the Father if I don't take my thoughts and throw them down and then pick up his thoughts that says there's one way through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, you've done that already. Go ahead and give yourself a pat on the back. Praise the Lord. You did that or you'd be ready to split hell wide open right now. That process of throwing down erroneous thoughts is part and parcel with the restoration and the renewing of the mind. And it doesn't happen all in a day. Now today, you could be renewed in your mind regarding your salvation, but still not renewed in your mind about healing and health and life. You could be restored in your mind regarding physical healing, but you could not possibly be renewed in your mind regarding God's supply for his people. When you come up against the word of God, you've got to lay down your thoughts and take up his thoughts. Lay down your way and pick up his way. Poke somebody and tell them his ways are better than your ways. Listen. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. 
Think about it. Forgiveness is so much higher than condemnation. Aren't you glad for that? When you were condemned and conviction was racking you and guilt was your lifestyle, the higher way of what? Forgiveness came into your life. Glory to God. Listen to this. Healing is so much higher than sickness. Amen. Think about it. Abundance is so much higher than lack. Peace is so much better and higher than depression. Victory is so much higher than defeat. And you know what? We're able and and God given the ability to tap into all of those higher ways, but it requires we throw down the lower ways. Amen. Now, Scripture over in 14, Proverbs 14, go ahead and let's finish turning there. Proverbs 14. Verse 12, there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to what? Death. There might be a way that seems right to you. How many know this is not a time for things that seem right? It's a time for things that are right. And the ways that you're trusting in could be the very things that are limiting God's best in your life. Go over to Psalm 25. This should be your heart cry as we kick this off. Psalm 25. Glory to God. Psalm 25. Verse 4. Make this your heart and your prayer. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Show me your ways and teach me your truth. He'll do it for you if you'll have that heart to receive. A lot of victory as a believer is just having a teachable spirit. Well, this is what I was always taught. This is what I always heard. That's not relative. What is God saying in his word? All of us grew up thinking some things that were completely opposite of what Scripture teaches. We can't work ourselves into heaven. Amen. God's not the one holding you back. You go through a tough time, God's not the one body slamming you just to prove he can put you back together again. The thief cometh not before to steal, kill, and destroy. He said, I've come that they might have what? Life and life more abundantly to the full till it overflows. There's so many things that you and I grew up doing and listening to and, and applying to our lives. I mean, I remember a famous country song growing up and around where we lived, that was pretty much all the stations for a long time you had. It probably explains my love for the froggy right now. Well, the song went, God's going to get you for that. God's going to get you for that. And so, you know, you listen to that stuff, and then ignorantly, like me, don't even open up your Bible. Where are you going to get your theology from? Well, I heard God's going to get you for that. 
So when something goes crossways, well, that's God getting me. You open up the Word of God, you find out it ain't God getting you at all. God's not getting you in. God came so that you would get out. (laughs) And we've all had to throw things down. Now, when it comes to the spirit of increase in your life, spiritually, physically, materially, you're going to have to throw your thoughts down and take on his life because you may have a way that seems right to you, but it's not actually correct. So we pray. Confess it with me, church. Say, show me your ways. Teach me your truth. That ought to be on your prayer list every single day. Show me your ways and what? Teach me your truth. Glory to God. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own natural carnal understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways. Let God's ways be your ways. And He will do what? He'll direct your path. He'll make your path straight. He'll make it victorious. What a powerful scripture that is in that context. John 14, 6, the Bible tells us that I am the way. It's truth in the life. It starts with the born again experience. There's no way for religious people to have the spirit of increase. There's no way for people who don't know God to have the spirit of increase. There's no way for somebody, you know, to have good works and tap into what God has as increase. And don't think that somebody that prospers in the world without God is actually increasing. They're only developing in one area. Look the life carefully and you'll find kids strung out on drugs and five, six marriages. You'll find people that are completely destroying every other area in their life. But that's not God, how God works. God will cause increase for you spiritually, physically, and materially without sacrificing your marriage, without sacrificing your kids, without sacrificing your life. And you die young. Well, he died rich, but he died young. He was 32 when he left. I think about you know, Steve Jobs in terms of Apple. That's not long life. Arguably the sharpest and shrewdest businessman of our generation and what he accomplished with Pixar and with Apple, and he's not around. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? God's not saying increase materially at the expense of you physically or increase you materially at the expense of you spiritually, but enjoy all three aspects of your redemption. He died for all three of them. You should enjoy all three of them. Amen? Amen. So when you think increase, think in terms of a system, a network of things that God has sent his son to die for you and for me to obtain. Hallelujah. How many of God's ways are good ways? Say it with me, increase in every area. Of my redemption, supernatural increase in my life. Say it again, supernatural increase in my life. You know what you're going to do by the end of December? You're going to believe. And you're going to receive. What a testimony that will be. How did God do this in your life in such a lousy year? Well, first of all, you heard 41 messages on triumph. Glory to God. That's your foundation. And if you haven't heard them, they're all online. Don't cost you anything but time. Amen. But to actually believe for supernatural increase in your life. Glory to God. Amen.
Let me just say this to you. When you learn, and there'll be at least seven of these factors, and apply these factors to your life, what's going to happen is you're going to build a platform in your life so strong you can stand on it. You can build on it. You can grow on it. And it's available to every single person in this room. It's available to every single person that's watching online. God is no respecter of persons, but he does respect faith. We can't get up here and tell you how the end is near and it's going to all fall apart and nothing good's going to happen and preach all this stuff that's out of the flesh and responses to natural things. We can't do that and bring you to a place of the spirit of increase. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? The word of God. You will find saints from Genesis to Revelation in the natural were limited and held back, but God through supernatural increase took care of them. And he loves you too. Make this confession. He loves me. He blesses me. He increases me. Come on, shout it out. He loves me. He blesses me. He increases me. I want you to close your eyes and shout it out one more time. He loves me. He blesses me. He increases me with supernatural increase. Now, one of the ways that we hook up to that is in the principle of sowing and reaping and giving. And I'll just throw this out there for you to, to understand that there's a divine connection made to increase when you do honor God in the area of finances. So um, be aware that it's just how God does what he does. And see, here's how the enemy works. There's pressure out there. There's fear out there. There's shrinkage going on. How could I possibly keep on doing what God tells me to do in his word? How's that going to work for me? Well, you don't have to understand how it's going to work because it's supernatural. But when you do, there's a supernatural connection to that provision, to that increase. And the last thing you should do is let the world dictate to you what you're going to do. Or your flesh, or your fear. Can I have an amen? amen. I said, or your flesh, or your fear. Amen. When you honor him, he honors you. That's what the scripture says. Amen. amen. You know what I believe? I believe in this room, a room full of people who are going to honor God. Amen. And the spirit of increase is visiting your house. I've already heard testimonies around the building from people who God has moved in ways that are unexplainable in the natural. Amen. Are you willing to let God do that in your life? Why? So you can be selfish, you can can all you get, get all you can, sit on the can? No. So you can be a blessing like you've never been before. Amen. God addressing your needs and addressing the needs of other people. Amen. In the course of your active giving. So when you prepare a tithe or an offer, make sure you're mindful of this. It comes with a promise, not just with a command. It's not just a command. It's a command with a, with a promise. And what a wonderful thing it is. You know, all the sowing and reaping stories that, uh, that I've heard about and then sowing and reaping stories that um, you know, I've been a part of, one of the greatest blessings I've ever had in my life was a couple years ago, and I've shared this story, but somebody here needs to hear it. You know, when John Osteen was preaching, um, Joel used to tell him, Daddy, why don't you just number your stories? And instead of telling the whole story, just yell out number 45, we'll laugh and you can move on and we can save some time. 
number 45, number 22. <laughs> it wasn't until I started preaching, you know, full time, I really understood what he's talking about. The, the way this works is it's not about what's on a page or in some kind of index somewhere so you can be original. It's what comes up in your spirit. Spirit-filled ministries are not based on simply what somebody put on notes or in some record somewhere. It's what comes up inside that matters. And this, uh, this particular weekend, uh, Timothy and I went to uh, ballpark in St. Louis, and, and uh, the morning we were getting ready to leave, we went over to Cheesecake Factory in, in West County, and we're sitting there. We got there real early. There's hardly anybody in the restaurant. But these two ladies came in, these two black ladies came in, and they were dressed to the nines. I mean, it was church-going time. You know, they were just out to have a great time, and they looked absolutely stunning, beautiful. Both of them looked maybe 75, 80-ish, but you could tell they were close friends, and they were having a good time that day. And I sat down, looked at the menu, ordered, and immediately the Spirit of the Lord said, I want you to take care of their bill. And I'm like, okay, I know, I mean, we know the voice over time. If you're still sane in a moment like that, get thee behind me, Satan, you've got some work to do as it pertains to the voice of God in your life. <laughs> Are you here? And the, and the other part was, and, and they're going to order cake and you pay for that too. Now you add all that up at the Cheesecake Factory, it starts to get, you know, real high. But it doesn't make any difference. How many understand what the Lord commands, he provides. And um, all I simply did was simply ask for you know, the server to come over there and to give me that bill. And I said, make sure that if they want to have, you know, cheesecake, you make sure that's on that bill. And, of course, you know, we ate, and uh, we certainly had some cheesecake that day and had a good time. And, and they were having just the time just cutting up and just enjoying their lunch together. And uh, they went to ask for the bill. And uh, the server said, well, somebody else, you know, in the restaurants already paid your bill. And this lady's face, I mean, dropped, her mouth just dropped wide open. She got tears in her eyes. And she said, this has never happened to me in my entire life. Thank you, Jesus. She said, you know what? It's my birthday today. <laughs> what was going on? Jesus was saying, happy birthday to one of his choice saints. That's why we tell you, it's more blessed to give than what? Receive. But if Tim and I had been over at McDonald's getting sharing a hamburger because I had nothing, I couldn't have been in the Cheesecake Factory. Come on, church. We're blessed to be a blessing. I'm sure they had a fine time. I am sure they enjoyed that cheesecake. But do you know who enjoyed that morning more than anybody? And still do. And still look for opportunities to be a blessing to others. Corporately you do it as you give in tithe because we can bless other people. And you set yourself up for increase when you actually honor God. There's a supernatural connection and attachment you know, to uh, his supernatural increase when you do what he told you to do. But could you imagine how many more people could be blessed if we're in a position to actually be a blessing. Say it with me, I get blessed to be a blessing. Now, what did God say in Deuteronomy 7? He said, I love you, I bless you, and I increase you. Now, if you'll let that explode on the inside of you, you're going to have a great week. I said, you're going to have a great week. 
You're going to get it tomorrow saying, God loves me, he blesses me, and he increases me. This is going to be a great week of increased love, increase in blessing, and increase, amen, in every area of your life. And the one you confess is the one that purchased it all. Aren't you glad? Come on, let's give him a praise offering and thank him today.